Dialectical Behavior Therapy was created in the 1980s by Marsha Linehan in Seattle, Washington. Today, DBT is taught all over the world. We're two therapists who believe everyone can benefit from DBT skills. I'm Kate. I'm Michelle. And And this this is is DBT and me. (laughs) There we go. We're recording. Everything out at the end anyway. (laughs) Right? Totally. (laughs) All right. So this is Kate, and I just want to welcome you guys to our first ever episode. So please pardon our inevitable trip-ups as we work our way through this for the first time. (laughs) Um, And so like any good conversation, we're going to start with some introductions and also how we got to where we are today. So um, my DBT story, Um, now I just feel like I'm echoing the name, DBT and me, my (laughs) DBT and me story, Uh, started when I was 19. Um, Well, I guess sort of started before that. I started self-harming when I was about 14 years old. And when I was 19, I was having a particularly intense self-harm episode. And it just occurred to me in one moment, two two separate things. One, uh, this is not how healthy people cope, um, which may seem a little bit self-explanatory, but was honestly the first time I had had that exact thought. And two, that I was going to end up killing myself on accident if I kept going that way. So that was when I was 19 years old. um, And that started me out on searching for some help, searching for something that could help me with these impulses um, and help me with the self-harm, which led me to the DBT Center of Seattle at the time. I don't know what it's called anymore. Uh, And I went through a full DBT program. So one hour a week of DBT group and one hour a week with an individual DBT therapist. And it may sound dramatic, but I think the DBT saved my life at that time. Um, And that made me pretty passionate about the skills and um, about, I don't know, passing it on to others. But that's not true. Not then, because that came after I went to school. So uh, fast forward a while and I went to grad school and I became a therapist. And then I wanted to start passing DBT on to more people. And I got that opportunity when I met Michelle over yonder. Ooh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were working in community mental health together, and at the time she ran the DBT group for that um, community mental health clinic, and she was in need of someone to lead it with her. And I went, hey, here's an opportunity uh, to do that. And so thus a beautiful friendship and working relationship was born, <laughs> and we've been leading group together now for four, five years? Yeah, something, something like that. Like that? I, I don't know. I could look back and find out, but I don't know. It's been, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Uh, and so, yeah, I personal history, I've, I bring a lot of personal history with DBT as being on the receiving end to this, and then also a few years of teaching it to others. And if you can hear my cat in the background, yeah, I apologize. Yeah, that's, that's Jin meowing at our door, <laughs> if you can hear that at all. Um, yeah, so I'm Michelle, and basically the way that I came to learn about DBT was back in, I guess it was back in like 2011. I had just graduated with my bachelor's degree in psychology, and I was looking for essentially my first grown-up job, I guess you could call it, like my first job in the real world, 
like not working at a grocery store or things like that. I wanted, oh, Jen's in here with us. Better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone will mind the podcast being interrupted by a sweet, cute cat meowing. There are worse things that could interrupt it. Um, so basically, yeah, I graduated and I started looking for a big girl job. And I found a job working at a group home in Everett, Washington, if any of you locals out there know where that is. Um, for those of you non-locals, probably about 45 minutes or so north of Seattle. And I started working at this group home. And basically, this group home was for teenage girls. We had room for six girls at a time. And these girls were struggling with all sorts of issues that, to be honest, like I was not prepared for what I would be dealing with at the time. I was... I think like 22, like I was I was a baby, just starting to work with some pretty serious stuff. Like there were girls who were self-harming um, regularly. There were girls who would run away and have sex for money. There were girls who were, you know, using drugs. Um, some of the girls had the label called SAY, which stands for Sexually Aggressive Youth. Um, so they would like be sexually inappropriate with other kids. So I was just dealing with a whole bunch of like really big major issues. Most of the girls came to the home because they'd been in a number of foster homes and they'd been kicked out repeatedly so they had nowhere else to go. And so as I'm working here, one of the things that the girls did every week on Wednesday evenings is that they went to DBT group. So we had, with the company that I worked for, we had some people and their job was to lead the DBT group. They were DBT certified and had gone through a bunch of training to do this. And so every Wednesday night, I took the girls to a two hour DBT group and then we would go get fast food afterwards and go home. So they had to behave in TBT group or they would be forced to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches instead of fast food. Um, but going to DBT group actually became the part of my week that I looked forward to the most because I had to be in the group with the girls. So I was doing the activities with them. I was helping them learn the skills. And I found what I was learning in DBT to just be really interesting stuff that I hadn't learned up until that point when I'd been in school. So I worked at this group home for about a little over a year. So taking these girls to DBT group every week. And then the other thing, which Kate and I will touch on a little bit, um, when you are a participant in a DBT group, there is homework. So <laughs> I helped the girls with their DBT homework every single day. And I got to know the skills pretty well just by kind of learning it by working with them. So then as Kate kind of talked about, fast forward a couple years, we were both working in a community mental health clinic. And basically I started there as an intern. And as an intern, they were looking to get their DBT program back up and running again. I don't think they've been leading DBT groups for like two years at that point or something. Yeah, and so they wanted to get it going again. And I was like, well, I know DBT skills and I would be interested in leading the group. So even though I was an intern, I started doing it with um, one of the other clinicians there. And I did the group with two other people before fate collided and Kate and I started doing it together. Um, and like she said, we've been leading a DBT group together for, yeah, something like 
four to five years now. And when we both stopped working at the community mental health clinic we were at, then we started um, doing groups together in Kate's private practice that she has. So um, yeah, and leading DBT groups is something that I think is you know, fun because it breaks up just sitting in a room <laughs> every single day. Like, don't get me wrong, doing therapy. Instead, we get to stand in a room. We get to stand in a room and <laughs> we get to, you know, bounce off each other and um, have it be that we're not just, again, sitting, kind of hearing some heavy stuff that we hear from clients day in, day out. It feels more collaborative. You get to see people learning and making progress with the skills. So, yeah, so that's kind of my story of how I came to DBT. And now that you know a little bit about us, we're going to actually get into, like, what DBT is. <laughs> because there may be some of you at this point that's like, okay, that's cool. Like, but it's nice what? to know more about you. Yeah, but what is but what is DBT? What are we actually talking about here? Um, so, yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit more. So, DBT, at its very basis, stands for Dialectical Behavior Therapy. We'll go a little bit into that tricky first word here in a few minutes. Uh, it was created originally by a, a psychologist named Marsha Linehan, actually hearkening here from Seattle herself, uh, working at the University of Washington. Uh, it was created to help people with borderline personality disorder, which at the time was an especially big deal because a lot of people considered borderline personality disorder to not only be one of the hardest, uh, I guess, mental illness to treat, but also some people thought it was untreatable entirely. So the fact that this woman came out with this amazing program designed to and showing that it did, in fact, have remarkable uh, impact on those with borderline personality disorder was a pretty big deal. Uh, later, much later, actually, it came out that Marshall Innesan herself has borderline personality disorder, which was a big revelation in the community at the time. Uh, DBT is traditionally broken into four modules. Those are mindfulness. Um, where did my brain just go? <laughs> Interpersonal <laughs> um, effectiveness. <laughs> distress tolerance and emotion regulation. There, yeah. You got it. Mindfulness is, I would say... The basis of almost all of the rest of the work. If you don't have mindfulness down, it's hard to base the rest of the skills without it. Interpersonal effectiveness is exactly what it sounds like. It is a module that helps you get what you want when you're asking for things from people. It helps you set boundaries and say no. And it helps you create new relationships and nurture the ones that you already have. So it basically just helps you in all the ways that you can relate with other people. The emotion regulation group and distress tolerance have a lot of overlap, but the way I distinguish it is distress tolerance is for when the world is the problem, things that are beyond your control, things that we can't help. Um, so issues like grief or just what's going on in the economy or things that are maybe happening in your family that you can't influence, but that influence you, that impact your life and help you learn the skills to tolerate uh, those sources of distress. And emotion regulation is kind of for when your own emotions are the problem, um, when maybe more ordinary or everyday kind of problems impact you in a really large way and you're struggling with things like impulsivity, maybe self-harm, depression. Uh, you know, reckless acts, things like that, and you need to help be able to soothe and regulate your own emotions. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts to add to that, Michelle? Yeah, I mean, I think you explained the different sections really well. Um, and in 
most DBT groups because DBT is at this point where it can be taught all over the world. So if you do a Google search in your area for a DBT group, hopefully you can find one. And each DBT group is a little bit different, but like with the four modules that Kate's talking about, typically each module or each section is broken up into somewhere between like a six to 12 week group. Um, so when you're doing like a full DBT program where you're doing all of those modules, um, you're going to be going to DBT for six a months little to 12 bit. Months. <laughs> yeah. yeah, six to twelve months. I would say is pretty standard. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a big commitment. Um, but yeah, so each of the skills are broken up. So some people choose to take all of the DBT modules. Some people pick and choose. And like, some programs which don't let you. <laughs> yeah, some programs don't let you. Um, and Sign up for all or nothing. Right, and like with Kate and I, like the way that we do our group, which again will have some similarities, but also might be slightly different from. DBT groups you might find in your area if you decide to look into it is we incorporate the mindfulness module into the other three. So we only do three sections of DBT, but we sprinkle mindfulness throughout because we think it's important that people learn that at the beginning of each group rather than having it be this separate thing on its own. So I've run into a lot of other DBT groups that do it that way. Um, but yeah, so you're looking at going to an hour and a half to a two week long group. I mean, Kate mentioned like her two group. Hour. Two hour. Is that, did I say that? <laughs> you said two week long group. Oh, I did? Oh, sorry. No, no. We're not going to be yeah, trapped in, it to in win it for two weeks straight. <laughs> Just learning DBT night and day. No. Gosh, I'm glad you caught that. Okay, two hours. <laughs> um, or I think, Kate, you said, like, when you did it when you were younger, it was, like, one It was hour? one hour of group a week and one hour with an individual, individual therapist. therapist. Yeah. That was so, the program I was in. Yeah, and different groups are different. So some groups will require you to have an individual DBT therapist in addition to doing a group. Like, some programs are more intense. Some programs are less intense. Um, there's lots of different formats and ways to do it out there. But, like, in case you're wondering like what it would look like if you do decide to pursue a dbt group in person that's kind of what you can expect and i guess i said mindfulness was important but i didn't say much of what it was so <laughs> <laughs> it's essential stay tuned no the yeah, uh, we'll get there <laughs> mindfulness module uh, is basically teaching you how to focus your thoughts how to do or participate or think about one thing at a time and kind of how to make wise decisions, I guess would be a, a sort of summary of that module. Mm -hmm. um, something Michelle actually talked about when she was talking about her experience with group home with the girls is that DBT groups are very um, homework intensive. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, there's going to be handouts often uh, to read and or to fill out over the course of the week between groups, as well as something called a diary card. Every group will format their diary card differently so it might be more or less intense but the idea still is that you would have something that you fill out every day that indicates what if any dbt skills you tried that day how that went um, and might record things like what if you had like an intense emotional experience either that day or that week what skills you applied and how that went as well yeah definitely and one thing we should maybe add in now is sort of a disclaimer <laughs> in a way like listening to this podcast is not meant to replace or um 
give like the same experience that you would get out of a dbt group if that makes sense like listening to this podcast you know we'll talk about this in a little bit but like we hope that it'll be really helpful and giving you some background into what the skills are however like we still highly recommend like seeking out your own therapist if you don't already have one um, or like having that group experience of dbt if you can have it there's only so much we can do um, with you hearing us through your speakers wherever wherever you may be or through your phone or whatever um and you don't get the back and forth or the different input from other class members which i think is a yeah the actual groups totally so yeah like this is this podcast is meant to be helpful but having a group experience or working on the dbt skills with a therapist in person one-on-one is going to likely be far more helpful (laughs) than like just listening to this podcast so we want it to help supplementary if possible but if you don't have the money or there aren't any dbt groups in your location hopefully this can still help you Mm -hmm. attain some amount of familiarity with dbt yeah give you give you something to get you going with learning what these skills are and how to apply them in your life um so as kate mentioned dbt stands for dialectical behavior therapy and one of the most common questions that we get when we start leading a group so we try to address it right away is what does the word dialectical mean um i had never heard this word before learning dbt did you know had you heard dialectical before? Like, Kate is such Kate is such a word nerd. I am a word nerd. <laughs> and so she knows everything when it comes to words. Not really, but I like. I have a prodigious vocabulary. Yes, you do. So did you know what dialectical I meant before? I didn't know what dialectical <laughs> But I'm weird, so I'm not the one to base it off of. Yeah. So I'm going to give my best explanation of what dialectical means, and then Kate will fill in fill in the gaps where I miss things. Um, But basically, dialectical, if we really break down, like, the structure of the word, it starts with the letters D-I. So di meaning two or more than one. And the idea behind this word dialectical, and I think why Marsha Linehan used it when naming the skills that she was creating, is because one of the key ideas behind DBT is being able to look at things in more than one way, from more than one point of view. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Kate. And I realize no one over there can see me nodding vigorously. So. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting it good so far. Um, so basically, like, one of the reasons why a lot of people come to DBT, like why they might be told to do a DBT program or why it might be helpful for them, is because it's really easy to get into black and white either or thinking. We can feel an emotion really strongly and we can get kind of stuck in what we're feeling and we can find it hard to like see the other possibilities before us we can just get really stuck in this way of like okay this is what i'm feeling so this is how it is and this is what i've got to do and dbt is all about pausing and being able to notice other options that are in front of you and being able to consider and look at multiple choices that you could make and that's really the idea behind the skills as we you know continue on with this podcast and teach you guys the different skills each week and talk about them you'll see that with a lot of skills like one skill will contain like seven different things to do um 
And basically that's to give you options so that you can pause and pick which thing would be most helpful for you when you're in a moment where you are feeling really overwhelmed or stressed out. It's all about like DBT uses this idea of both and thinking. So the word dialectical really means thinking of both and. So thinking about multiple options and being able to just kind of expand what the options are in front of you. Is that making sense? Yeah, I also think it's, you know, especially people who might struggle with particularly intractable or really strong, intense emotional experiences can get very stuck in their perspective. Mm -hmm. So not only reminding you that there's multiple options for your own thoughts and for your own behaviors, but also reminding me that no matter how much I might disagree with whatever it is that Michelle's thinking or doing, she has her own perspective, right? She There's an amount of truth and amount of rightness in multiple perspectives. So reminding you to get outside of yourself a little bit um, and not just be like, I'm right, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, you guys couldn't see that, but Kate spit her tongue out and... Double flip du- du- double, <laughs> double middle figures there, which is a thing she does commonly in real it's life. It's true. Which is funny. Uh, <laughs> so, right, so I guess it's, it's both internal and external. I love what Michelle said about both and. I think that's the simplest, most concise way to think of dialectics. You know, a lot of us go through the world with either or, mm-hmm. and dialectics are here to remind us that both and is way more commonly accurate. <laughs> yep. Um, as you were talking, um, one of the examples that came to me, this is an example I commonly talk about when we're discussing this word dialectical or, yeah, like Kate said, this idea of dialectics is like the term bittersweet. Um, bittersweet is a dialectical term because something is bitter and it is sweet. It's not one or the other. It's both at the same time. So like there can be tons of examples of this um, in our lives where one thing has kind of two different sides to it. Like you hear that expression of like two sides of the same coin. Um, it's kind of the same idea. Like they, you might be feeling a couple things at the same time or there's, again, like a way that if you just flip your viewpoint, there's a whole other side that maybe you hadn't seen before. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the idea behind it. I think that makes sense to me. Cool. Hopefully it makes sense to you all, too. Google it if you want to know more. <laughs> Look up dialectical or dialectics. Yeah. Um, because that's kind of a noun, like dialectical is an adjective, but the noun behind it is dialectic. So this idea of, again, like two things being true and existing at the same time. Um, so I think the next thing we were going to go into is why are we doing this? <laughs> why are we podcasting right now? <laughs> because we want to be cool kids and make a podcast like everybody else. No. That uh, is a big piece. I know. Right? <laughs> if it were 10 years ago, we never would have been thinking about this. <laughs> but uh, one of the things I often say when we're introducing our group is that I think that DBT ought to just be taught in middle school. Um, a, let's all admit it, uh, everyone in middle school is a little bit crazy um, because hormones. But uh, it's just, we want to increase the accessibility. We want people who, like we were mentioning earlier, maybe don't have the money to go to a DBT group, maybe live in an area where they're, you know, the nearest one is too far away to reasonably attend. Uh, we want people to be able to consume more DBT skills and learn more about it um, when maybe it wouldn't be accessible to them otherwise. Uh, also, I don't know about you, but you know, you go through a group and wouldn't it be nice if you had something to I don't know, keep you thinking about? 
about the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know that I took two years of Spanish in high school and I can, you know, ask where the bathroom is and order a quesadilla and that's about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, right. So if people have already taken a DBT group, this can be seen as kind of a supplement or a refresher, right? A way to keep in touch with the skills so that you don't just, you know, lose them into the back of your mind and forget they ever happened. Uh, I would, oh. No. What? One of us will talk. The- <laughs> <laughs> Michelle did that thing where she looked like she was about to talk, but I misinterpreted. I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> so, let's see. Accessibility, also refreshers for people who have already done groups. I know a lot of people go out there and buy themselves like a workbook, which can be great, but can also be overwhelming and confusing by itself. So, another thing we kind of envisioned this as being was... A way to, you know, help if, you know, you have the workbook in front of you, maybe you can listen to the particular episode of our podcast that pertains to the skill uh, mm-hmm. that you're trying to work on in your book, and we can help supplement it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Kate hit on a lot of the main points. Something that we do say a lot of times in groups when we're leading them um, is, honestly, it takes going through group probably like at least twice before people really feel in a position of actually starting to learn the skills. When you're in a DBT group, you're learning a new skill every week and it can move at a really quick pace. And so when people go through DBT group the first time around, they're just trying to like take in all the information. It's hard to internalize it. Yeah, it's hard to internalize it. It's hard to like go out and start doing it in the world, (laughs) which is of course the whole point of it is to like learn these skills and then use them in your real life. Um, But that's a hard thing to do. Like it takes learning about the skills a couple different times before it can really sink in. And the cool thing with a podcast, you can listen to these episodes on repeat. <laughs> Until you're sick of us. Many times as you want to. <laughs> um, you could go through it at your own pace. You know, even though we're going to be releasing episodes every week, you can, you know, listen to one episode and then it might be like three or four weeks before you feel ready to like take on learning a new skill. So it really allows you to do it at your own pace. Um, And yeah, like Kate said, if you've done DBT before, hopefully this is a great refresher for you. If you've never done DBT before, this is a good introduction to what it is. Um, So yeah, I think that about covers covers why we're here and why we're doing this. (laughs) So now what are we doing? (laughs) Yeah, what are we doing? So what can you expect from this podcast? So um, like I said, we're going to be basically releasing episodes every week and each episode is going to focus on a different DBT skill of which there are many um like we get said get ready for the acronyms right oh my gosh dbt has so many acronyms you'll see once we get to those episodes like again there's like a lot of information to take in so every week we're going to be talking about a new skill within the dbt curriculum i think i mapped it out at some point there's gonna be like at least like 30 episodes 30 different skills to learn um there's a lot of material to go through there might even be some that take more than one episode yeah because like i like i was kind of saying and like kate said with the acronyms there are some skills (laughs) that have like seven skills within a skill um (laughs) or like the one belongs in air quotes right (laughs) or like four skills within a skill so it can be kind of complicated and we want to make sure that again we're going over each different component in a very detailed way so that you guys are um, understanding what we're talking about. 
So each week we're going to be going over what a new skill is. But the other thing that we want to incorporate in this podcast is we want us to be an outlet for you guys. So if you don't have a therapist that you're seeing currently, um, or if you did DBT ages ago, but you're like, I've never really understood what this skill is like I still don't understand really what wise mind is or I still don't really understand what radical acceptance is to give out some examples of what's to come um to email us your questions like to send us emails and talk to us about where you've run into struggles with using some of the skills um is one thing that you can do or if you are just struggling with something in your life send us an email with what you're struggling with and I mean this could be anything. This could be my dog passed away and I'm really struggling with getting back into normal life. You know, my friend isn't talking to me. Um, I flunked a test. I don't know. I just got a new job. I just got a new job. Yeah, it could be great things, but like also (laughs) things that are like, you know. So depressing, Michelle. I know. I'm like going down this deep dark. (laughs) All the terrible things that could happen in your life. Um, But yeah, things that are like going on for you, but you're feeling maybe overwhelmed, overwhelmed by the transition that that's causing in your life or just feeling like you're running into a dead end. Like, I feel like I've tried a bunch of things and they're not helping. What can I do? What DBT skills should I use here, Michelle? DBT skill will work. Exactly. So if you send us like more or less your life scenarios, I don't want to say kind of like an advice column, but kind of like an advice column in a way. Um, Like send us something that you're struggling with in your life. And basically we will incorporate that into an episode where we're talking about a skill that could be helpful. So we're going to figure it out as the podcast unfolds. I was going to say, if we get a bunch of emails, I imagine we could do some episodes that were just responding to things. Just letters kind of a thing. Yeah, just emails, letters. So old school. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like just answering your guys' questions or just, again, like giving you guys some feedback on what DBT skills we think could be helpful with what you're struggling with in particular. So... Yeah, we'll either incorporate that into the episodes where we're teaching the skills or, like Kate said, if we get enough emails from you guys, we will talk about it as a whole separate episode and have some episodes where we do that. Um, But yeah, pretty much each week we're going to be talking about a particular DBT skill. Um, I don't know. I'm throwing this out there right now, and Kate, you can tell me what you think. (laughs) Like she said, DBT involves homework, so it might be that at the end of each episode, episode we give like an optional homework assignment Mm. or a way for how you can try to do this in your life oh I think that's a good idea so you can apply it and dbt like when you're in a group like Kate said you get like a bunch of handouts um and that kind of a thing so we can tell you what to google (laughs) well yeah we can tell you what to google or I don't know again throwing out random ideas we could maybe try to get a facebook group been going where we could try to post up. <laughs> Kate looks appalled by this idea. <laughs> She's not into it. Um, yeah, but we could tell you what but maybe to Google. Michelle's into it. <laughs> yeah, pass it off on me. I can manage that. Um, and figuring out some way to, again, like give you guys some direction of like, okay, now here's what the skill is. We'll talk about it, but then do this with it going forth in your 
in your life. The other thing so you can that practice. we didn't mention, but we had mentioned before, is closing moments. Oh, yes! Please talk about closing moments, Kate. <laughs> Please do it. Uh, so, traditionally, when I, when Michelle and I lead our DBT groups together, at the end of every group, I lead what we call closing moments, which is really just generally a somewhere between five and, at the longest, 15-minute... Um, <laughs> Don't I think Michelle's looking at our battery life on the recorder. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want it to die. <laughs> uh, anyway, a five to 15 minute uh, mindfulness exercise uh, just to help wrap it up. Sometimes the stuff discussed in DBT groups can be a little bit riling up or triggering for folks. So just something to help you center yourself um, and a way to practice mindfulness, which uh, the more we talk, the more you'll find out I'm also a mindfulness nerd and super into it. Um, so I yes. could do a super short one. I we didn't plan would on it, but I love can. that. No, I want to say something before yes. before well, yeah, we do it. Email address and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that logistical stuff. Like, okay, so I'm going to sing Kate's praises here. Not literally sing, but I'm going to. I'm so ready for it. I'm so ready for you to burst into song, Michelle. Mm, nope, not literally. <laughs> um, Kate's the singer between the two of us. Um, but Kate's closing moments are she makes them up off the top of her head 99% of the time um she whenever she's done this in groups so many people have said which is I'm so glad you reminded me because I completely forgot so many people have said I wish you recorded these like I wish that I could just play these at any time that I want and for all of you who have been in groups with us before who hopefully we can figure out some way to tell you about this podcast, this is the answer to what you wanted. <laughs> Kate is going to do closing moments and have them recorded so that, again, you can go back and listen to them whenever you want. Um, so, yeah, it's a really cool thing, and Kate's way better at it than she gives herself <laughs> credit for. So that's all I wanted to say. I just wanted to compliment you. Um, but, yes, yeah, so before we do the closing moment, because once the closing moment is done, this is the way we do it in our DBT groups. We just have everybody basically grab their stuff and leave the room. We ask them to kind of do so quietly to, like, keep the mood. So pretty much once the closing moment is done, um, we'll just basically say bye, see you guys next week, but that's going to be the end of the podcast. So before we get there, our email address. So like I said, if you have questions about skills that you've learned, but you're running into roadblocks with using them, or if you're struggling with something in your life and you want our two cents on what DBT skill we think could be helpful for you, our email address is dbtandmepodcast at gmail. Dot com. I feel like I want to do like the D as a dog, B as in boy. Yeah, T as in Thomas. <laughs> T as in Thomas, right? DBT and me podcast at Gmail. All spelled out. All spelled out. All one word. No weird um, punctuation or underscores or, or anything. Periods. Yeah. DBT and me podcast at gmail.com. Okay. All right. Do your closing moment. Kate. I will do my closing moment with the, I suppose, obvious disclaimer of if you're listening to us on headphones or something while you're driving, Don't no closing close your, your eyes. eyes. <laughs> we do not want to be held responsible for any car accidents. Right. Or so if you are, you know, using machinery or driving a car, or cooking, uh, you're cooking. Or, yeah, right. Don't, yeah. Uh, don't, don't do the silly thing. Okay. <sighs> So, if you are in a safe place, I would invite you to start by gently closing your eyes. If, on the other hand, closing your eyes makes you feel anxious, just settle your gaze on somewhere a few feet away from yourself. And let your gaze soften. Try not to be focused on any one particular point. Once you've gotten comfortable and your eyes are closed or your gaze is softened, 
just start by noticing your breath. You don't have to breathe any more deeply or any more slowly than you are naturally. This is just about paying attention, just about focusing your mind. So notice, where do you feel your breath the most? Maybe you feel it in your nose, the back of your throat. Maybe you notice the rise and fall of your shoulders or the expansion and contraction of your chest. There are no right or wrong answers here. The breath just invites you into your body and invites you into the moment and it invites you to let go a little bit of whatever was going on before this moment. Your mind may wander and that's okay. It's what minds are wont to do. Whenever you notice it wandering, just gently, maybe even playfully, bring it back to your breath. Like you might with a kitten that was wandering off. Every time it wanders off, you just bring it back to the breath. Notice it in your body. And notice how the rest of your body relaxes as you bring your focus there. The beautiful thing about your breath is that it is always with you. No matter what else is going on in the world or in your mind or in your body, your breath is here to center you, here to focus you here to invite you out of the chaos and into some calm. So allow yourself into that calm place for a moment and just breathe. Whenever you feel ready, you can start to come out of your breath and back into the rest of your body. You might do this by rolling your neck on your shoulders or rolling your wrists or ankles. Just inviting yourself out of the focus on your breath and into the rest of your body. And when you're ready, open your eyes. Thanks, everybody. It's been a great podcast, I hope. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Bye.